it's a privilege to be sharing God's word with you, and it's exciting to have our mate Joshua with us this morning. Eh? Good to see you, Josh. Thanks for joining us. Um, so I'd love you to turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, we are going to be reading a few verses from verse 7 uh, to verse 10. And uh, my focus this morning, I want to focus on true wisdom is humble before God. That's the theme of my message. True wisdom is humble before God. And, uh, so if you're there, I'd love to read for us. I'm reading from NIV, and it's going to be on the screen. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wear. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is God's weight. And um, what's interesting here, just to remind us, is that James is not writing to those who are non-believers. We can pick up some strong languages here. Um, it is important to note that James's message is written in the context of relational conflicts mentioned in verse 1. So just to, to remind us of that. And then we saw last week, James put something on the table. In verse 6, he said that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, he continues in verse 7 now, as we've just read. James is calling us to submit to God. Now, I want to give us at least four things from this passage. And I refer to them as four spiritual exercises. Very important. And the first one that we pick up from here, it comes from verse 7, is to submit to God. We know that the writer of Hebrews, when you read Hebrews chapter 13, we are told that you are to obey your leaders and submit to them because they get to watch over you and they have to give an account. But here, James is pointing people not to himself. He's not saying, submit to me, because there is a conflict here, I can resolve it. But he's looking at the conflict and all that was happening with a different perspective. He's pointing them to God. Here, James is touching on something that is very important because he's trying to get his readers that you have to understand God is the only judge. 
is the only true judge. Will it be possible that James did that as we read in 1 Corinthians 4.4 4, where Paul would make a statement that my conscience is clear but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Again, to remind us, James is writing in the context of conflicts. And Paul recognizes an apostle that God is the right judge. But we have to understand that in any conflict, you know, the tendency is to be right. You know, you get people are getting the judges to stand for them, even if they know that they commit a crime, but they still booked a lawyer. Someone to defend them, even if there is evidence. I think that is how our hearts are geared. Whether we are Christ followers or not, in any issue, we want to convince as many people as possible that I am innocent. Now James here is trying to get us to understand if you really want to prove your innocence, then submit yourself to God. Go before him because before God, the one who searches the earth, there is nothing that is hidden. Now the question is, what does it really mean to submit to God? What does it really mean to submit to God? Outside one is to embrace his authority. Because by nature, if two people are arguing, no one wants to submit to the other person. No one wants to admit, not only to the other person, not even to authority. A number of us, or not just human nature, we hate authority. We don't want to be under authority. Because we feel like authority robs us freedom. You know, it limits our, our freedom of expression, freedom of all kinds of freedom. And James is saying, I don't want you to submit to my authority, but I want you to submit to God's authority. The one who sees your heart, because before the Lord, it's actually a call to repentance. Because if you go stand before God, you submit to him, there is nothing that you are going to actually keep that God doesn't know. He knows all things. So to submit to him also means you are accepting God's will. You are ready to take the outcome, whatever outcome will come the way in any situation. So it's not just like, oh God, I submit to you. No, it's really be willing to accept the outcome in any situation. It's also to commit your life to him. It's to commit your life to him. That's the reason why we are going to discover afterwards, James speaks about you double-minded. So he starts by saying you have to submit. Why? Why? Then later on he speaks about you double-minded because James understanding the hearts, the human hearts, he knows that sometimes we are like this. You know, we have submit to God and have submit to the world or have submit to ourselves. We are double-minded people. 
And before that, he called you know, his readers, he referred to them as adulterers. Now he's calling them to be double-minded. You know, this submission is actually a total surrender that, you know, James is calling for. Interesting enough, is he speaking to Christ's follower. Does it mean that he was calling them to a second salvation? No, that's not the case. James knows that repentance is ongoing journey. He's calling them to a journey, ongoing journey, when we continue. You know, we have to continue. As Christ followers, there is no one who can say that I've arrived. So embrace God's authority. You know, we accept to submit, you know, to his will, to commit our life to him, to his control, and to be willing to follow him. That's what submission means. Now, you have to be willing to follow God. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. Are you willing to follow God wholeheartedly? Or are you following God like one step ahead, two step back, one step ahead, whereby you are not giving God the total control of your life? You are not submitting to him fully. So that's the first spiritual exercise, is to submit to God, no matter the outcome. So in any situation, we run first to him, because when we are before him in prayer, there's so much that can come out of that. Jesus is a great example. Time and time again, he operates a lot of miracles, and he goes back, he submits to the Father. You know, he stands before the Father. He submits to the Father. There is nothing that I'm saying to you guys that's not coming from him. That was his, you know, position. That's how he presents himself before the crowds. But sometimes there is a temptation in our generation today to build towards ourselves. Our hearts are corrupt. I am not immune to that. Human hearts are corrupt. We have the tendency of building towards ourselves, refusing to submit to the authority of God because we want to be right all the time. We might not play it externally, but we play it internally. Inside our hearts, we know. That's the reason why Paul says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't mean, doesn't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. He knows what is inside. He knows what I'm processing. He knows what I'm thinking about my neighbor. He knows what I'm thinking about other people. He knows how I see other people. Do I see them in God's image or do I see them just as people? How do you process conflicts with other people? Do you submit to God or do you do it just on your own. The second spiritual exercise is to resist the devil. That's what James said. Resist the devil. Now I have to remind us that the title for this message is True Wisdom is Humble Before God. Now to submit to God already it's a sign of humility. 
Because if we don't submit to him, that is not actually true wisdom. The second one, we are to resist the devil. Now, some of you might ask the question, does it mean that if you are humble, you resist the devil, then the devil will flee? No. It starts with submitting. It's your position in God that will cause the devil to flee. Now I want us to get the order correct. It is not by accident that James started with submit to God. He didn't start by saying resist the devil. Because if he had to start with that, it would have looked like we are doing it out of our own strength. But he starts by saying you have to submit. It is your posture. It is your position. How you stand before God. Therefore God will strengthen you to resist the devil and the devil will flee. If you stand in your own strength, your own abilities... You trust yourself. Do not even think that the devil flee. If it's the devil, Satan was able to go and stand before Jesus while he's praying and fasting at the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and trying to tempt him, who do you think you are? Friends, let us not be fooled to think like any of us can really resist the enemy or the devil on our own strength. Let us not be fooled. We cannot do that. It is our position in God. If we submit to God, therefore, through that, we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. The devil is active, by the way. He's active. He's active in the church. Oh, you can go, are you sure? Yes, the Bible speaks about wolves being among the sheep. He's, he's, he's really active. Is at work in the world. James wouldn't have speak about, talk about the devil if he did not believe that our battle is what Paul explains in Ephesians chapter 6, where he said our battle is spiritual. It is spiritual, but it manifests itself in physical. Now you may ask a question, how do believers know that the devil is present. How did really James thought about the devil? In that conversation, he would have just given them some commands and without mentioning the devil. Yeah, uh, I'm just giving us one sign, looking at this situation. And based on what James had said in the verses earlier on, we can know that the devil is present wherever envy and selfish ambition are present in the conflicts and quarrels of the body of Christ. The devil is there. Envy and selfish ambition? He mentioned them. He named them. He said them. And not only in the context of the church. Think in your relationship. Think in your workplace. The motives of our hearts reveals whether the devil is present or is not. What are your motives? When you are going to that meeting, what are you already talking to yourself? Are you already being defensive to say, I'm going to stand against anything that person is going to say? The devil is present. You haven't submitted yourself to God. Therefore, to resist the devil, it's going to be difficult because you are taking the battle, becoming physical. Yeah, the battle is spiritual. You already made up your mind that I'm not going to listen to my spouse. 
You already made up your mind that I'm not going to listen to that guy no matter what. You already made up your mind as I stand this morning and say, whatever Andre is going to say, I'm not going to hear. The devil is present. I was expecting a bigger man. <laughs> Friends, he exists, but our position before the Lord helps us to resist him, he will flee. If we submit to God's authority, to God's will, to his control, and willing to follow God, and not willing to follow our own emotions, our own feelings, our own knowing, because we can know too much, and sometimes knowing is not enough. These people James was speaking to, they, they knew the truth. He's saying to them, you know, that's not enough. Eh? You have to submit yourself to God. Yeah, that slogan, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power before Satan. Who was there with God? Don't allow Satan to deceive you and to tempt you. Submit to God. Resist him. He will flee away to, from you. The third exercise. Draw near to God. This is it. You know, they sound very easy and very simple. I think for Christ followers, it's like, Andre, we, we know about this thing, but do we do actually live in the reality of this? Do we draw near to God? And James is actually making a point here to say, this is going to be mutual. You know, there is, it's a relationship that James is, is encouraging. That, you know what, if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. What a God. What a king. What a father. There is nothing that can stop him from drawing near to us. But God would have imposed himself to draw near to us, but the invitation for us to go to him, which means that there is a freedom that we have, we've been given. And the choice is ours. Do you really want to draw near to him? And it is a sign of humility. Because in verse 6, we are told that he resists those who are proud. Those who don't want to draw near to him. He resists them. But who, those who do, God comes near to them. And he dishes his grace to them. He does it freely. You know, some of you might say, okay, but Andrew, we're expecting you to talk about washing of hands. I'm not going to touch about washing of hands. James is using the picture of the Old Testament that was happening at the temple as a sign of when people going there to be clean, you know, the process of repentance. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What just got James is saying there, what is required of you now, you guys, is a repentance from both. This external behavior, 
wash your hand as the picture is given from the Old Testament and this internal attitude which people cannot see purify your hearts that's what James is saying it is inside that is an attitude which people cannot see but your behavior can be seen, so therefore give the picture of the Old Testament because that's what was happening. You go to the temple, the priest would actually do all the rituals. But the core here is to repent and to turn back to God. And then James talks about you have to grieve. To grieve over what? You don't have to boast. You remember earlier, some chapters earlier, speaks about not boasting in our wrongdoing. So it's actually saying, why do you make this an easy thing? You have actually to, mourn, to, to cry, to weep over your sins. Now, let me say this. In the Old Testament, you know, here we can see that James is relaying a lot there. We see in the Old Testament, David, anyone that would really commit a sin, now they would go on the ground, put on the sack to cry for, for days, etc. Because that's, that was symbolically crying out to God to restore them, to really accept them back. So don't, don't, don't turn your laughter into something that is meaningful. You know, cry. Do not boast in, in, in your wrongdoing. Then the final one, because I'm wanting to give us time today in groups of less than four, hey, less than five, to stand just in a moment of prayer before the Father. You are not submitting to the people you are going to be praying with. You are submitting to God. I want us to spend time in prayer to pray. I want the leaders in this room to stand with others. And even the leaders, you might be, maybe feel the Lord touching your heart to show the person you are within the group to say, please, I need prayer in this area. The fourth one is the, the fourth spiritual exercise. Humble yourselves before the Lord. That's in verse 10. He will lift you up. Friends, there is no way. You can lift yourself up in many ways, but God can still see you down. The world can see you up, God will see you down. James concludes his commands by summarizing, giving the exhortation but saying to, the, to his readers and saying, humble yourselves before the Lord. This reflects the promise of the Proverbs quotation in verse 6 that I said earlier on. God shows favor to the humble. He shows his favor to the humble. The humility before the Lord that James commands means to recognize our only spiritual poverty. We have to acknowledge that. And acknowledge our desperate needs of God's help to submit to his commanding will for our lives. He said, you have to humble yourself before God. Do you want greatness? Humble yourself before God. 
And this humility, we found it in the parable that Jesus tells about the tax collector who deeply, in his conscience, he realized about, of his, about his sins. He called out to God for mercy. And in response, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus pronounces him justified, and this is how Jesus had to summarize. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Luke chapter 18, verse 14. He said, whoever chooses, you know, to humble themselves, God is going to lift them up. In fact, this, when I did a bit of study in the New Testament, I discovered that this was more kind like of a motto. I found, you know, um, even Paul making a point about this. Peter saying in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, he said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hands, that he may lift you up in due time. It was more or less like a motto that they were using the early church when it comes to the theme of humility. How are we doing? Yes, we might not humble ourselves before men because we don't want men's authority. But are you sure you want to resist God? Are you sure you want to flee from God's authority? Are you sure you can hide yourself from God? I don't, I don't think I can. I don't think I can hide myself before God. This call that James is making in verse 10, it expresses the fundamental importance principle that the enjoyment of spiritual vitality and victory comes not through independent efforts of our own, but through complete dependence on the Lord. When we submit to him, when we humble ourselves, we start to enjoy our relationship with him. And to try to exalt ourselves by relying on our own abilities, our own status or money, that will bring only failure and condemnation. God humbles us. You know, in chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, when we looked, we first launched this series, James expressed this earlier on in his letter when he encouraged the believers in humble circumstances to boast in their high position or exhortation and owned rich Christians to boast in their humiliation, if you can recall that. There are people, you might say, James lived with Christ. Peter walked with him. Paul experienced an amazing encounter with Jesus. And so many of them, it was easy for them to talk about this. But there are men who have lived and walked here. People like C.S. Lewis, who say this, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm hopeless. 
a helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me at time, walking and sleeping. It does not change God, it changes me. This shows the sign of someone who has totally surrendered his life before God. Submit to God in order to resist the devil, so that the devil can flee away. This is the sign, a life of someone who has drawn near to God and God drawing near to him. No matter how great he was as a great preacher, he had a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge, he's impacted a lot of lives, but when it comes to a moment of prayer, he said, I pray because I can't help myself. This is a sign of humility. And I can say that again. We all need to submit to God. We cannot resist him without giving ourselves to total authority, will, control, and willingness to follow God. We cannot fool God, but we can fool other people. It's easy to fool others, but we cannot fool God. It will catch up with you, even along the road, one time. I know a lot of people who are in ministry. I know a lot of people who are strong Christ followers to the eyes of people, to the eyes of men. But they are no longer, no longer believers. They walk away from faith. Friends, this might sound like easy things, but can I ask you to please take these spiritual exercises into practice. Can I invite us to stand into a moment of prayer? Second Corinthians Verse 11 to 7, Paul says this, Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you, free of charge? Again, there Paul recognized the importance of even him as an apostle claim that he is a great apostle. He had to lower himself to preach the gospel. He understood the secret of humility. Friends, I want you to look around while the band is playing from the back. Just to be in a group of less than five people. Uh, maybe if you're a couple, you can move to another couple. Or the way you can just move around. Feel free, feel the freedom. I want us to spend at least 10 or 15 minutes just in the presence of the Lord to pray. I've got some questions there. And uh, we don't do this all Sundays. As I was preparing, I felt the need for us to do this. I felt the Lord was laying this on my heart. <coughs> for us to pray. It has been week after week in the book of James. A lot of stuff, a lot of content, a lot of information. But I just felt like it's an opportunity for us to pause and reflect on what maybe God has been saying to you. Let's pray. What are you trusting God for? What is it that you are trusting God for? 
we would like to pray with you. The people in that group would like to pray with you. Be open, be honest before God because what, this is just one practical thing about this message, one practical sign of humility because failing to do that, you are not failing the people you are standing with, you are failing yourself because you think that you'd approach and submit to God in a space that is only private, but will you trust the person you are standing with to say, I am submitting to God. Will you stand with me or with us right now as we pray? What do you have faith for? What do you have faith for? Share with the people in your group and let them stand with you and trust the Lord with you. What are you celebrating? We would like to celebrate with you. Allow the people in your group share with them and say, this is what I'm grateful for and thank God for that. Please, take time, start to do that. I'd love the guys at the back if they can also just step out and get yourself in a group and uh, let's do that.